This is an ABC podcast. Psst, Jan. What? Come here. Get close to me. Hold me a little. It's the middle of the night. I told you. I told you to get out of here. Look, my husband, he, he can't see you in our bedroom, okay? Just look at me. Stop it. Oh my God. <laughs> But I'm married. You know you want to. Come on, just one more time. Okay, all right, fine. Just one finger then. Just one digit. Oh my god. Yeah. This feels <laughs> so good. You are so incredible. Mm. The way I feel every time I touch you is. Oh. It's amazing. Jenny. Oh. You and your phone in bed again. I'm sorry, darling. I'm sorry. The urge was just too strong. Please don't ask me to put it in the living room before bed, please. It's just, it's not realistic. Darling, it's not. Where are you taking it? My baby. (laughs) One of the deepest and most satisfying long-term relationships of my life is with my phone. It's the first thing I look at in the morning, the last thing I look at at night. It keeps me in touch with friends, family. It entertains me. It helps me work. I'd really be lost without it. Often, quite literally. No, I love you. Given this season is about connection, we need to look at the one thing that promises to connect us more than anything. The wonderful, majestical phone. In 50 meters, turn left. I'm Jan Fran. This is The Pineapple Project, and I'm not here to guilt you about screen time. The truth is, you're probably using your phone well, and using it terribly. But you might not know the difference. That is what we're going to find out. So... Let's start with the bad news, shall we? You are very likely doing one thing with your phone that is really damaging for the people around you. It's called fubbing. Do either of you know what fubbing is? I wouldn't have a clue, I don't know. (laughs) If I told you that you guys probably fub a number of times a day, would that give you a clue as to what it is? No. (laughs) What's fubbing? Oh, can you give me a hint? Is that sort of like... Lying but being nice somehow? Uh, I mean, it sounds masturbatory, but uh, I don't know if that's where this is going. No, it's not masturbatory. Although it is kind of playing with a certain something. Fubbing is phone snubbing. When you ignore people to pay attention to your phone. You know, when you're having a coffee with someone and they flick their eyes down to check their messages. Or when you're on the couch with your partner and they're telling you something and you're looking at deals online. It sounds innocent, right? Well, it's not. Here's the guy who came up with the term. At its very core, fubbing breaks that all-important connection between us and other people. That's Dr James A. Roberts. He's a researcher from Baylor University in Texas. And he studies the way this tiny behaviour eats away at your most important relationships. So what's the big deal with fubbing, really? 
Well, the big deal is that when we fob or pay more attention to our, our phones than we do to people around us, the people feel feel ostracized, right? They feel ignored, right? We've all had that experience of trying to get, you know, make our point or just spend time with somebody and then uh, they're paying more attention to their phone than they do us. That hurts our feelings, really. It's just despite the fact that we're living in the 21st century and that, you know, maybe we, with some people might think we should be beyond being hurt by uh, technological intrusions, we're still very primal beings and important to us as human beings is close relationships and phone snubbing interferes from those close relationships. So even though you might feel like you're connected via your phone, what you're actually doing is disconnecting in real life. Exactly. Yeah. And we started my research with Dr. Meredith David and I started out looking at romantic partners. And so we looked at couples, boyfriend, girlfriend, or married couples. And we looked at what we call partner fobbing, you know, so getting phone stubbed by people who are important to us. And uh, what we found is probably not surprisingly that when we sense that we're being fubbed more than that, what was acceptable, uh, that created smartphone related conflict. So, and of course, then what that did is the more conflict we had, the, what we found in our respondents, our participants, is that they reported lower levels of relationship satisfaction. What's kind of really interesting about this is not just that fubbing is limited to our relationships with our romantic partners, but fubbing at work. We've done some research about boss fubbing, we call it, about what happens when your boss at work you know, is only giving you or she or he is only giving you, uh, you know, half their attention because they're attached to their smartphone. What we found is that's devastating. When people don't feel that their boss has his or her best interest in mind, they're less likely to produce, they're less likely to be engaged, and they're more likely to quit. So yeah, there is no aspect of our lives that isn't impacted by how we relate to our technology. James says, as well as being disastrous for connection, fubbing is kind of contagious. Yeah, just kind of imagine you're at uh, you're at uh, dinner and it could be with a romantic partner or it could just be a good friend. And uh, you're having a conversation, you're connecting, their phone goes off or you may not even know it because it might just buzz or there's some way they're notified that something's going on. They say to you in, you know, in, you know, with their actions that, uh, hey, this is more important than my time spent with you. And so they pick up their phone and they do what they need to do, whether it's, you know, to type back a quick text or, you know, watch a funny video or take a picture of themselves with their food. And so you're left with, okay, what do I do? Twiddling my thumbs or do I, uh, and I want to feel included, right? I'm important, right? We all are. And so we pull out our own phones. And so then it just becomes a kind of one-upsmanship game. So fubbing breeds more fubbing. Yep, it does. It's a vicious cycle. Once you know about fubbing, you start to see it everywhere. Because it is everywhere. But I'm not plain rude, you might say. Sometimes I put my phone down, face down, where no one can see it glinting at me. But James says even the mere sight of a phone in a room can interrupt connection. That's how powerful they are. Oh, you bet. Yeah, we've careful research has been done and we found that when someone has a conversation with somebody else, but their smartphone is within sight, the people um, report lower levels of engagement, lower levels of attachment to the uh, to their partner. And so, yeah, even just being within our proximal, even within our sight of a line of sight is enough to throw us off. Terrifying, right? 
The difficulty in this equation is that our phones have been designed to capture our attention. Apps and platforms tap into the same neural circuitry used by poker machines and cocaine to keep us hooked. And social notifications give our brains a hit of dopamine, a feel-good chemical which tells us to repeat the same behaviour. Yeah, our attachment to our smartphones are so is so strong that it can be stronger than our need or desire for sex, chocolate and coffee. Dang. Can you paint us a picture of actually how bad fubbing can get? Oh, it can it can get to the point where what the, a great saying that people use is alone together, meaning that we're in, in physical proximity to other people, but we don't even acknowledge their existence. And so it just it just undermines all of our relationships, whether it's with romantic partners or strangers or friends. Uh, we report less close relationships and, and relationships are everything to us. As human beings, we're social animals. And so when we have poor or weaker relationships, that really undermines our psychological well-being. My initial response to this is that I am triggered because he described me in a nutshell, which is not funny or amusing, but has actually just tipped over into concerning and worrying. Um, I use my phone all the time. I only recently was having, I wouldn't say a fight, I would say a robust discussion with my husband about this, who basically just said, it makes me feel really bad when you are using your phone all the time. I feel really bad at seeing you so distracted. And I think that was a real moment for me where I was like, okay, this is a problem. It's actually causing problems in my relationship. And so to hear Jim just spell that out as science was, yeah, it really drove that point home. I'm feeling triggered. You might have just realised, like me, that you're a mad fubbing fubber. And you might be thinking, whoa, I spend a lot of time on my phone. Well, spare a thought for influencers. Hey, what's up, everybody? They're fluent in phone use. Hey, people. So what's it like for them? Let's ask Lucette Romy. She was an OG Bali influencer. At the height of her Instagram fame, she could have basically filled the MCG with her followers twice. But there was a problem. At the height of my influencer popularity, I have never felt more isolated and disconnected from myself in real life. Lucette was, in her own words, an Insta ho. <laughs> it's such a funny sentence. I'm happy to call it of myself, but I don't want anyone to take offense to this. Yeah. So I mean it in like the sweetest way, but an Insta ho is someone who's just like happy to sell themselves out. I And I was very much that person, you know, someone would contact me and be like, here, we've got these bikinis here. Like you can shoot these and we'll pay you this much money. And I'd be like, okay, great. How much ass and tits can I get in this photo to like get the likes up for them because I was basically shoving my butthole in people's cameras and being like, take the photo now. Lucette was surrounded by influencers living that travel beach lifestyle. And by the sounds of things, they were master fubbers. 
I would go and sit in cafes in Bali and I'd be working on my laptop and working on my phone. And I just remember looking up and realizing that everybody in the cafe was also glued to a screen and we were all too busy engaging with what was on the screen in front of us instead of engaging with one another. And it was as if we'd lost any response to connect with people one-on-one and we were all too busy and consumed with finding out what the person next to us was doing, but through their stories as opposed to talking to them. And it just became this really jarring thing where I was watching everyone just kind of lose themselves without even realizing it, but not really paying attention to the people around them and being present in the situation they were in. I grew up like spending a lot of time in nature and once my social following kind of took off, I just, I was spending so much time on my phone and I was spending so much time on my laptop and spending so much time with other influencers who only ever wanted to just get the shot. And maybe they would go to a place to watch a sunset and I would be like, oh my gosh, yes, we're going to get out in nature. And then we'd get there and we'd take all these photos and then the sun would set and they'd be like, okay, let's leave. And I'd be like, oh, we're not even going to like sit down and relax and enjoy this. And it was hard because I was in a country where I didn't really know anyone and I'd moved away from my family and the people that were the closest people around me were all really hyped on, you know, going and living that kind of life. And it wasn't one that was serving me. And so I guess in some ways I did feel really isolated from those people, even though I was there, I guess my mind was always kind of somewhere else, just hoping that I could either honestly sometimes just be in bed or just be back at home, like maybe watching a movie with my mom on the couch And just doing something really simple and easy that didn't require me to, you know, put on a brave face and be like, yeah, I'm totally fine and I'm really okay with this lifestyle. Um, You know, even at one point, sorry, brother, but um, I guess from what I was posting, you know, my brother unfollowed me. He was like, I don't like seeing what you're posting. It's not true to you. It kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. And that was a really big wake up call as well, because I was like, okay, this is my family. And if they don't support this, then there's obviously something going on. But, you know, and I respect him for doing that because he was right. That was a big turning point for me. And I think from that point, I was like, this needs to stop. When it comes to taking photos now, what's your motto? Um, (laughs) Yeah, don't be a fussy bitch. I think I spend way too many years uh, taking, you know, two to three hundred photos of myself only to maybe pick one or two, if that. And now my motto is very much, don't be a fussy bitch, take one or two photos, and if you don't like it, you can move on. No one really cares. The reality is that most of us probably won't be successful Instagram influencers, even though we would all accept payment to flog adult diapers. No, just me. What? I mean, if the price is right. Phones aren't going anywhere. So are there ways that we can be using them well? I think one of the main things that's changed is we're just not taking things for granted in the same way both our, you know, friendships and connections, but actually the power of our devices to connect us in these times. That's Jocelyn Brewer. And she is here to help. She's a psychologist and she definitely is not in the all tech is terrible camp, which is great news. Jocelyn has developed a strategy to help us get more out of our tech. 
It's called digital nutrition. So if we use everything that we've learned in the last couple of decades around healthy eating and what um, good nutrition looks like, we apply that directly to the way that technology and what we consume through technology, all the micro interactions that we have, the people that we follow, the conversations we have, the news we read, how that impacts us in the same way um, that food would impact our body. So if you are what you eat, how does what you consume online impact your cognitions, your emotions, um, all of those sorts of things? So when you think about your food diet and the calories you consume and the vitamins within that, you can think about the time that you spend online, the activities you do, and the potential virtual vitamins within those activities. I actually think that I'm relatively unhealthy digitally. Like I think about nutrition in terms of, you know, what I eat and what exercise I do and, you know, am I drinking enough water? Am I sleeping enough? Um, And even sometimes, you know, nutrition for the mind, like am I doing meditation and am I being calm? Um, But I've never really thought about nutrition in terms of what I'm consuming digitally. And now that I do think about it, it's, it's pretty bad. It's yeah, very unhealthy. Many of us haven't thought about it this way. So many of us, um, we have been kind of stuck on screen time and looking at that just for kids. And now we sort of go, oh, wow, the cognitions that I even have when I'm scrolling through, you know, let's say a visual social media platform like Instagram, that's part of your um, digital diet. The context for many of us right now is we have not a lot of other things that we can do and we we don't have the gym. So we're downloading, you know, insert one of the gazillion different um, exercise apps that you can do with absolutely no equipment. So that, you know, to me is a really great example of digital nutrition where we're pivoting and using these things to suit the purpose and the context of where we are right now. If you're just sort of doing mindless scrolling, what impact does that have on you? So I think one of the things that happens when you're not present is, first of all, you just go down a rabbit hole and it's a massive time suckage thing. Technology is designed to keep us paying attention. Um, the constant fee, like I call it the social media sushi train that just keeps going round and round and round, never ending story of content. So um, part of that is the kind of mindless scrolling and attempting to keep up. You literally cannot keep up. And the other sense of that or the other part of that is the amount of information that's going across your eyeballs and then down into your brain is so much more information than we would have ever consumed in previous generations that whether or not you're actually processing and making sense of it, your your um, your brain still has to do the work to scroll through. And that's, that's part of what's making everyone so anxious. It's that like literally TMI um, that we're, we're trying to make sense of way too much information and we're not giving our brain the downtime just to look out the window or to be present to our emotions and process those. So not being present means that we're paying attention to other things and that paying attention to other things creates that kind of overload, sensory overload that then leads to a bit of anxiety and that kind of like frazzledness that lots of people are reporting. So how can we have better digital nutrition? I really like the idea of some micro habits um, and little rules that you might put in place around where technology fits in your life. So that can be simple things like you don't walk down the street while texting. You have to have awareness of yourself in space and all the other you know things that can come across your path. 
being able to have those screen-free moments, so choosing to go for the walk without a phone, without anything with you, and just being able to have some um, mental space, turning off the mental noise and that white noise that's constantly coming through because we're constantly consuming something. And finally, anything that you can do to emulate that face-to-face connection better. So I use voice memo a lot instead of just sending texts or messages. If you're nodding along to this right now thinking, I want more digital vitamins and less digital junk, Jocelyn says there's an easy way to think about how you're consuming things online. Conveniently, they all start with the letter M. My three M's are just kind of like lenses or ways that you can um, think about your technology use to try and align it a little bit more to being more um, digitally nutritious. So the three M's are mindful, meaningful and moderate. Mindful is about being fully present and aware of when you're actually using your phone. Meaningful is about having a sense of purpose and clarity with what you're using your phone for. And finally, moderate is about having boundaries with when you use your phone and the context in which you do. Mmm, so nutritious. Nom, 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 nom. And what have we learnt? Let me check my phone. Ah, just kidding. It's okay to love your phone, but not too hard. Not at the expense of the people you actually love. Be aware of fubbers. And while it's fun to eat phone junk food, get some balance in that diet and get those digital vitamins if you can. Here are some ideas. Do an online exercise class. Find an Instagram account that makes you feel good. Send a random silly voice memo to a friend. Listen to podcasts that are helpful. Share podcasts that are helpful. Let an Italian nonna teach you how to make pasta on YouTube. Play games with your family on FaceTime. Let aunties and uncles or grandparents read bedtime stories to your kids. Or frankly, to you. We all need to be tucked in sometimes. The possibilities are endless. And the great news? You are in charge of your phone. Yeah, it doesn't own you even if your phone plan is super expensive. In which case, I suggest you go back to Season 1, Episode 2 of The Pineapple Project and learn how to renegotiate your phone plan. Hey, Jen, hold me. Not tonight, babe. I'm putting you in the drawer. Come on, just hold me. I'm off to make sweet, sweet eye contact with my husband. Jen, Jenny, Jenny, look at me. Just a finger, just a finger, Jen. I'm Jan Fran. This is The Pineapple Project, The C Word. It's connection done good. Okay, we've just sorted out your relationship with your phone, but if you've got kids and you want to set them on a path of good phone use, I've got another podcast for you. It's called Parental As Anything with Maggie Dent. They have two episodes for you, one on screen time and one on smartphone use. Unplug a techno tantrum and your best suggestions. (laughs) Sometimes it's an age-appropriate response. You know, your three-year-old will throw a tantrum if you cut the sandwich the wrong way. The techno tantrum could be just another expression of that. But also, I've seen techno tantrums with eight-year-olds. I've seen 18-year-olds have them. Parental as anything on the ABC Listener or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up next time on The Pineapple Project... 
good news for all the introverts out there. Connection doesn't have to mean spending time with other people. It could be with a thing. Hobbies are back and our brains love them. You get in the zone and you're not thinking about all the things you have to do. There was something very freeing about it. It was joyous. If we can navigate challenges in a hobby, then we know that we've got that ability to take on challenges in other parts of our life. The life-changing benefits of hobbies and how to find one if you've got no time or inspiration. Join us. Join us.